This year, we launched a new Goop travel series called The Goop List. I wanted a way to share annually what I found to be the best of the best, from my favorite places to stay in Italy to a truly special spa in Costa Rica. If you are inspired to travel more this year, perhaps because you perused our recommendations on the Goop list, hosting on Airbnb is excellent for people who frequently travel. The beauty of hosting on Airbnb is that while you're away, someone else can get as much joy from your home as you do. Alongside frequent travelers, Airbnb is also great for those who have extra space or an in-law suite that isn't always being used. If you've stayed at an Airbnb before, you know the unique experience it offers. Now you can share that same experience with others while earning some extra income. To learn more about hosting on Airbnb, head to airbnb.com slash host. When you are pioneering anything or introducing new ideas to the culture, you get criticized. You do? Yeah. <laughs> Did you hear about that? <laughs> I didn't find the one. I found someone I respected and we made it the one. In a sort of longing kind of view of love, people understand each other as if by magic. Nothing in itself is addictive on the one hand. On the other hand, everything could be addictive if there's an emptiness in that person that needs to be filled. I now know that nobody changes until they change their energy. And when you change your energy, you change your life. I'm Gwyneth Paltrow. This is the Goop Podcast, bringing together thought leaders, culture changers, creatives, founders and CEOs, scientists, doctors, healers and seekers, here to start conversations because simply asking questions and listening has the power to change the way we see the world. Here we go. My guest today is the extraordinary Alicia Keys. It's been way too long since I last saw her, and I was so glad to have a chance to catch up. Alicia agreed to be part of our virtual In Goop Health Summit this year, which was focused on deepening the connection to our body, and I love talking to her about this. I also loved hearing more about her new line of body and skin products called Keys Soul Care, her rituals, her creative process, and her relationships. So let's get to our chat. I've missed you so much. I haven't seen you in person in a few years. I was watching you on TV the other day because I was watching Song Exploder, that show on Netflix. I love that show. And I felt like I got a real visit with you. I felt like I was perched in the back of your studio. That song, Three Hour Drive. Holy shit. No, that song is definitely has its own universe attached to it in this place. And I love that song so much. And and the way that song Exploder was able to capture it was just so exciting. Because, you know, you, you, you agree to do these things with people and you, you feel really excited about what it can be. And, and, and you kind of, you know, you hope for the best. And sometimes yeah. it comes out really great and sometimes not so great, but that one was so special. And the way that they were able to incorporate everything, it's a song with myself and Sampha, who's one of my favorite artists who, and this song is on my new album, Alicia. And it, it the three hour drive is so powerful because when we wrote it, you know, he, I just had my son and he just was a son who lost his mother. So it was this very deep dynamic that we didn't even know we were creating exactly. And it, and, and it showed that on the show. So thank you for, for talking about it because I love how they did that. It was 
amazing to watch a song be constructed. And then, and I love the, I love how they do that. And then at the end, they, when they played the song in entirety, but it was, and it was amazing to see how he was coming from this place of being, as you said, like he had just lost his mother and then you're so maternal, you know, it's like you have this, these rays of sunshine that coming out of you. And I really, I really felt that too. And, and when, so had you ever led anybody into the studio like that before? Well, the cool thing is, is I always record the sessions and um, I I always make sure that every session has, we want to capture it because it's just a moment in time that will, that you never know if it's going to just you never know. You just, yeah. It's just a special moment. It's magic. And so we always capture, we always capture each one. And so they actually used the footage that we already had. So they didn't have to kind of be there. We were able to provide it. And then from that, they were able oh, to. Okay. Oh, I see. Oh, that's, that's why it was so like, it was so intimate. Yeah. Anyway. Yes, absolutely. Was that in London that you recorded that song? Right. That was in London. I did a lot of work with Jimmy Napes in London. We wrote some great songs together. And um, and so in one of those sessions, we happened to just kind of say, like, wouldn't Sanford be amazing if we could just all connect? Which, you know, sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't. And, and it so worked out that I couldn't even believe he came because I didn't even realize that he was experiencing this loss, this pain. Oh. And I, I put myself in his position. I don't I don't know if I'd have gone anywhere ever, you know, but for him to see that potentially this was going to be some type of release, which hopefully it was, mm. makes it even more beautiful. So that's how it all worked out. We were in London and it was just one of those things where everything aligns. And do you bring the kids with you? Like, how does that work if you're going to record? How does that, how do you do that? I did have Genesis with me. I think he was pretty young at the time. So you know, with your little babies, you, you try to keep them with you as much as possible. Um, And, and so it's, it's always, it's always interesting. I mean, sometimes it makes sense. Sometimes it doesn't make sense. It kind of depends on what, what, how long it's going to be, or, you know, sometimes it's harder for them for me to drag them somewhere for three days. And you know what I mean? That's sometimes worse. Sometimes it's just, it's just needed. So it kind of depends. And now that they're a little bit older, I can kind of gauge it depend on their schedule and, and also what they want or what they need. So it depends on that as well. So sometimes yes, sometimes no. In that case, I remember I brought Genesis because he was super young. So funny because I really have genuine curiosity around how you do that, right? How you are with your kids and have all this amazing like outpouring of energy and care. And then also are this unbelievable artist. And, and it just occurred to me, like, I genuinely want to know this. And then I thought like, I wonder if anyone's asking the men, you know, these questions, like, how did they, you know, probably not. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, mamas are mamas. And that's just, that's just it. It just, even, I mean, even I think the men in our lives will acknowledge that mamas are mamas. My husband said to me the other day, if, if I was doing this by myself, I would be, um, I know I wouldn't be able to do it. Like, I just know that I wouldn't be able to do it. And, and I, and I appreciated his honesty, but that's what, I think that's what we bring. And, and look, there's many men that do take care of their kids by themselves and the whole thing and they organize it and they super figure it out. Um, and I'm sure my husband would figure it out as well, but it's true that mamas are mamas and, and we do kind of have this superpower of, of figuring out how to like create this. I don't know what we do, but we sure do figure it out. 
And I love us for that. You I too. I mean, I could ask you the same question. You know, what do you, what do you think your, your secret is for being in with how, being able to manage uh, as a business, as an artist and as a mother, mm-hmm. what's your secret? Do you think it's, it's weird. I feel like energetically I'm always with them. Like they're always like the, the biggest priority and so even when I'm doing something else, I feel like, where are they, you know, or when, when they were little, like, is it bedtime? Are they in the bath? And I felt it was hard, you know, it was hard to, especially being when I was doing anything really creative, because I feel like you're such a channel at that point. And it's really hard to kind of be tethered to the earth and be thinking about school schedules and making snacks. And so that was, that was, that was hard for me. And probably one of the reasons as well, why I leaned more into my business in the kind of nine to five mm. job, which I also really loved so much and, and all of the challenges of that, but I found it particularly difficult to be inhabiting the artist and being a mother. Cause in a way, when you're an artist, like what it is to be an artist is to be, is to have that abandon in a way. For me, I think that it, it's, well, it's definitely a schedule. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really, really big on the schedule thing. It's the only way that yeah. I actually know how to make anything function. And that, that feels really good. I think that when I can create the space for whatever is needed, sometimes I need to create the space to actually be with them because I'm noticing that there's things I just need to tune into them with, or there's times I need to tune into myself because I'm noticing that there's things that I absolutely have to tune in about. Um, And so I find that the schedule helps me to at least try to accomplish as much as I possibly can. So that would be my, that's my, that's my most like realistic thing. But I think that, I think also the, the creating space to dream and creating space to create amongst it is, is, is really, really important. And sometimes I think probably you feel, you can feel guilty because you do have to choose yourself, you know? And sometimes yeah. we're taught to feel guilty about choosing ourselves, which I'm personally really working hard to break because I think yeah. that that's really silly and we should not feel that way. You know what I mean? Okay. And, and, and there's a balance, you know, of course you only choose yourself, then of course something's off balance, mm-hmm. but putting it into the mix is, is important. So when you're writing music, are you, do you feel like you're sitting down to do it? Are you, are you channeling something? Is something, something coming through you and how, well, I guess I'll ask you that first. Hmm. When I'm, when I'm writing music is something coming through me. Yes, but it depends because sometimes it is so magical that I literally know for a fact that it's otherworldly and it's like another it's it's a gift and it's completely coming out of the thin air and it's magical alchemy and I'm like and I and I feel so I I feel so like bowed down to this moment Mm. I'm witnessing and, and a part of and then sometimes it's literally like I'm banging my head against the desk and I'm like, why don't I know how to do this? <laughs> so it's, it's truly, it's just truly both ways. Sometimes it's so mundane and so like mud that I just, I can't find the words. I can't figure out how to make it be, you know what I mean? And sometimes 
just this beautiful, the beautiful, the most magical thing I've mm. ever experienced. So it really depends. And does it come to you in, in chords and melodies and in words? How does it show up? It's so many different ways. And that's kind of the fun of it. Sometimes, is it a feeling? Usually it's a feeling. I would say a feeling is definitely the common denominator. Um, it, it, it's something that feels so strong and so clear and so something or so sad or so, you know, or so exciting or whatever the case, it's some feeling. And then from that feeling, it comes at some point. It might not be at that same point. It might not be right then. It might be a year later. I'm like, finally, I wrote that song that I knew was inside somewhere. You know, I find that creativity is so nonlinear. You know, it's just it is when it's it's all working towards something. You just don't know when it's going to show up. And, and I think that there's actually something I love about the unknown with that. I don't want to know when it's going to happen. I don't want to know how it's going to happen either, because I think that maybe somehow you would I would take it for granted maybe like if I could just sit down tomorrow and just be like oh here's the most amazing song I ever wrote today right now boom yeah I mean I wouldn't turn it down and and I and I believe we do have that capacity so I'm not saying we don't or nor that I don't we do and I do but I do find that there's something about the fact that it is a surprise that makes you love it and seek it and search for it and work for it too that's beautiful. Like just honoring the process, honoring the difficult part that it's like a journey to get somewhere. And I think sometimes we get so stuck around outcomes and, and, and for, for those of us in the world who don't have a creative outlet, right. We're in like, I, I, th I think that is applicable to everybody, you know, even though pe even people who might not think of themselves as, as creative, that, that openness and, and curiosity and tuned inness or whatever, like become like is the start of something. And, and then to go through the process that can feel trying or when, you know, it's, it's not necessarily easy, but outcomes that are beautiful come out of that. I don't know, for me anyway, that like openness mixed with the mystery of, or the difficult nature of how it's going to end up. Yeah, I think maybe something that feels really relatable for all of us is that if we can just have the faith that it's going to come out, it's going to happen. Yeah. When is it going to happen? Might not be able to say how it's going to happen. <laughs> I can't exactly tell, but it is going to happen. And just by the nature of you continuing to work at it, try, show up for it is going to happen. And I think that that really helps me through all the processes because it is, you know, there's, there's, it's this thing, right. Which is just it's, life. So it's faith. I think so. I think it's, I think it's faith that it's going to happen for you. Right. Whatever that thing is, whatever that, if it's a little thing or a big thing, whatever that thing is, as long as you're going to show up for it and keep mm -hmm. working at it and trying for it and thinking about it and working through it is going to show up for you. So mm -hmm. I like, I like thinking about it like that. It also is very helpful when you're feeling down. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Let's take a quick break to talk about one of our partners. This year we launched a new Goop travel series called the Goop List. 
I wanted a way to share annually what I found to be the best of the best, from my favorite places to stay in Italy to a truly special spa in Costa Rica. If you are inspired to travel more this year, perhaps because you perused our recommendations on the Goop list, hosting on Airbnb is excellent for people who frequently travel. The beauty of hosting on Airbnb is that while you're away, someone else can get as much joy from your home as you do. Alongside frequent travelers, Airbnb is also great for those who have extra space or an in-law suite that isn't always being used. If you've stayed at an Airbnb before, you know the unique experience it offers. Now you can share that same experience with others while earning some extra income. To learn more about hosting on Airbnb, head to airbnb.com slash host. Okay, let's get back to the conversation. I, I'm always so fascinated by songwriters because it seems like the most powerful medium and to be able to pull something down and have it come out, you know, through the body, like that, that's your instrument. I just, I don't understand it. And I, and I love music so much, but I just don't get it. And so I always am so curious about how that process works and how something comes in and then it it gets executed on paper or into a machine. Like it just blows me away. I feel that exact same way, literally every time. And I'm grateful that I've been able to write many songs and I still feel that same way. I still feel in shock that it, that it comes out of nowhere. And then, you know, maybe it's just one piece of it. And then you go follow through with that piece a little bit more. And and sometimes that thing you thought it was going to be is not even it anymore. And, and just that whole process, it's like clay. It's like, you know, it's just this malleable thing. Um, So I agree. I'm in, I'm in pure fascination of the process exactly the same way as you. And then, you know, what's so great about you as an artist is like, I feel whatever that thing is like come out and it's like an unretouched, it's like so beautiful and raw in its own way. I've never, you know, do you know, I don't know, maybe you do auto tune everything. (laughs) No, I don't. And I work really hard to really, you know, just to be in that pure space. And, and I really love flaws. I really love mistakes. I think that mistakes are so beautiful. And, and, and when your voice, maybe it cracked or it didn't exactly hit the note precisely, but it was a little under or it slid under and it's technically flat, but if you if it's with the right intention, you know, it 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 does something to you. And, and oh, yeah. there's something so beautiful about imperfection. And I think that's something that I've really, really learned a lot about. And, and I've, I've really fought to um, keep at the forefront of, of not only my art, but but as a woman, you know what I mean? And, mm-hmm. and really just 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 respect that imperfections are just so glorious. There's such beautiful parts of who we are, who we really are and our humanness. And I think sometimes, especially in, in such a digital world where things can be actually corrected and fixed and changed and all the things, you know, you kind of forget because you're like, wait, I thought, am I supposed to be perfect? Because everything looks pretty damn perfect everywhere <laughs> I look. You know, you forget. You, you sometimes have to remind yourself, like, actually, there's something really cool about mm-hmm. the, the imperfection, the the, so I actually don't even like the word perfect. That's one of the words that I've excluded from my vocabulary. I don't like the word try. 
Um, and I don't like the word perfect because I think that it's, I don't, I don't think it's a real, it's an unreal word. Do you think that what you like about mistakes is that like it forces you into vulnerability on some level? I actually think that it connects us a little bit more yeah. when, when we're able to share our mistakes or when you're able to hear something that's not exactly perfect. You, you might not even, I think a lot of times we're over judging everything anyway. And mm -hmm. a lot of times what, what I might call a mistake to another person, they're like, huh, mm -hmm. I don't know what you're talking about. You know, and I remember my, 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 my piano teacher, she used to as she was, I used to study classical music and classical music is a big part of my background in my music. And when I was a kid, I don't know, seven or eight or whatever I was learning these different classical pieces, when you mess up, you know, it's so precise and you have to learn every note and, and everything. And, and when I would mess up, I'm like, sorry, 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 sorry. And I would fix it and mess up. And I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And she was like, never apologize, mm -hmm. never apologize. Just keep going. And it was really hard because I think that my point is mm -hmm. a lot of the times what we consider a mistake, so many people are not even thinking about it like that, you know, and we oftentimes, I think, just judge ourselves so much. And in this desire to be perfect, where, wherever that came from, if we do mess up, we think we have to apologize for it and we don't. All we got to do is keep going. Yeah. And I really, really, I really, really like that reminder from the piano perspective. Yeah. Sometimes when I catch myself beating myself up, you know, for <laughs> millions of things that I do. Right. I, I think like, whose voice is that? Like, why, why do I, why do I have to drive myself so hard? Like who, who told me this about perfection? And it's tough. It's really hard. I think, especially in a capitalistic society and we live in a strong patriarchy. I wonder if, you know, that's, it just permeates no matter what. And I worry for my kids, you know, I worry like, are they, or is that messaging just so strong that it's unavoidable? It's a tricky one because there's so many messages that we're getting that we're not knowing that we're receiving. Right. And, and that is so interesting. And it's, it's the conversations that I'll have with my kids about certain things like that. Sometimes it's, really sticky and it's really tricky because you're trying to figure out how to explain it. But mostly I'm always talking about, I, I you know, I'll watch TV with them because I love to watch what they're watching because I just want to know like, what are they getting? Like what, what, why do they like it? And what is it that they're getting and stuff like <laughs> that? And, and a lot of the times I, I will find that there's a, you know, as we know now that we're older and aware and, you know, just can look at things with different perspective that you can see these these kind of stereotypes being perpetuated through mm -hmm. our visuals right and our media and things like that and you know so I will try to talk about it when I see it just because I feel like at least if they maybe can get tipped to the fact that that they are ingesting this then maybe they can know mm -hmm. okay I don't have to choose to look at it like that or I don't have to I can see it because I'm seeing it but I'm seeing it eyes wide open and I don't have to say that in order to be like a hero, I have to be a strong guy with muscles. You know, it's like, right. that's like, you know, some simple thing where we take away these messages or like this anime. I go crazy with the anime because I love anime too, but the way that they draw the women in anime, I want to choke myself. I'm like, guys, um, it's not realistic. Like every woman is not shaped like that. And 
And I and 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 there's and women's bodies are so beautiful and I love every shape they come in and I just want to see women in every shape. You know what I mean? And every version of us as women is beautiful, not just one shape. And so I I a lot of times I bring it up. I'm like, okay, but it's cool. And I love the I love the show too. I'm like vibing on the show, but it's like some of those things that start to and now all of a sudden every guy is thinking that this is what a beautiful woman looks like. And it's because they're, you know. 10 years old watching an anime, you know what I mean? It's not, so it's so interesting. So are, is it, is the messaging so powerful that it kind of will overcome everyone? Mm -hmm. I think it's, it's definitely going to permeate. And I think it kind of creates things that we all have to figure out, um, figure out how to work through. But I do think if you're talking about it and you're bringing it up and you're thinking about it and sharing just as a family, that it does help to at least, you know, create the conversation so people are not just blind, you know, blindly taking in whatever. So like, how, how would I do that? What's an example of something you might say? Like using the anime one as an example? Yeah. My son is obsessed with anime. Yeah. I mean, I would say, so do you notice that like every woman in anime has like extremely voluptuous breasts? Do you notice that? Because I was just watching and I just noticed that. (laughs) And aren't they, are they always like bouncing? Do you notice this? <laughs> and they'll be like, ma, like, oh, okay, kind of they're bouncing. I'm like, and it's cool that they're bouncing because boobs are meant to bounce and any size they are, it's beautiful. But you know that everybody is not like that and that's okay, right? And mm-hmm. of course, mom, I know that and it's fine. I'm like, okay, just checking. <laughs> So, um, but then they'll be like, but look at this girl. See, she's like really, you know, she kind of just has like on, on, um, you know, overalls and she's, you know, she's kind of seems like just, and I'm like, okay, I see a little diversity. Just know that the world is filled with many different people and women are all kinds of shapes and all kinds of beautiful in all their ways. And so they get it. And even though it might be, you know, an uncomfortable moment of conversation for them, I think that stuff really gets in there. I think when you know, when we point these things out, like, I think they'll, I think it stays with them and they're, they can, they're able to reevaluate hopefully what they're presented with and form their own ideas about beauty and themselves and, and, and everything. Totally, totally. And, and plus when it's kind of fun and you can just be silly, like everything doesn't have to be so serious either. It mm-hmm. can kind of just be silly and funny. And I love doing that. In a way it sort of ties back to the thesis of your book in a way, right? Like having the strength of mind to speak your truth and Mm -hmm. to not censor yourself. And, and I think you get that way from observation. So, right. If we, if we tell our kids early, it's okay to observe, it's okay to observe things about yourself. And then hopefully they'll grow up closer to those sets of truths and then, you know, not have as difficult a time finding their truth. So I, I wanted to ask you, about the book and, and how you came to like, tell me about the impetus and how it, how it started and why you wanted to write it. Man, right. Writing more myself was, um, what a great title, by the way. Thanks. I love, I love that title. More myself. It's so, it's very inspiring. Thank you. Thank you. And, and, and I think it's just something we're, we're becoming every day, you know, every day you're becoming a little bit more 
yourself and 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 more myself and it's definitely it's it's a journey and it's a process and 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 it takes a while it really does it takes time and that's what i realized the the reason why why we even talked about writing it was because i i felt like i came to a place where i was really able to express the ways that i felt like i was overcome and we all become overcome with these norms these societal norms that are like forced upon us to yeah. our we've been talking about this and and it's like we don't even know that we're taking it in or ingesting it or realizing that we're subscribing to it or whatever the case is and that's basically what happened to me as well and until I finally um woke up one day and and you know wanted to take my son to school and and I you know just wanted to put on my sweats and my hat and you know the everything that every mom takes and puts brings their kids to school because it's like whatever you're dropping them off and and I was like freaking out and I was like do I you know I don't have any makeup on and I don't have my hair is not fixed and my clothes I look kind of and I found myself freaking out and I was like who the hell are you wow who the hell are you like what is the matter with you you're you're what's going on and I didn't even think of myself as that person I thought of myself as extremely kind of open and feminist and strong and Mm -hmm. all the things. And, you know, I just started to realize more and more that in a lot of ways I was choosing how I wanted to be based on how I thought others wanted to see me. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is, um, or expected to see me or whatever. That's something that we all go through. Like we're all trying to actually figure out who we are versus who our parents told us to be, who we think we have to be for our jobs, who we think are you know, our, our, our lovers are going to like us as who our best friends prefer us as. I mean, how many times will your best friend be like, you know, I just the dress, Alicia, I just, and I finally been like, shut up, quiet. I didn't ask you to tell me about my dress. I just, I like my dress. I picked my dress. I chose it. I like it. If I asked you, do you like my dress? Then you can offer your opinion to me, but I, I don't need everyone's opinion about everything. And I get it that most people just want to share their opinion because they, they think it's helping you. But mm -hmm. sometimes you just need to have your own opinion and people just need to kind of like give you some space. And so mm -hmm. all of that made me realize that there's just so much to learn and so much to grow from. And there was so much that I also needed to choose for myself. And so I started to go more on that journey of figuring out who exactly, how I could become more myself. And, and that's what the book is about. Mm -hmm. Some of those jewels about how I kind of found my way there. But every day is still, you know, mm -hmm. still figuring out and still getting tested where I'm like, uh-oh, mm -hmm. go back to what I know I've already grown from or I could <laughs> make a new choice, you know? It's, it's, it's constant, it really is constant. Yeah. Till the day we die. This is the, I think so. <laughs> what are some of the tools that you implement to continue to be more yourself? How do you do that? What's the practice? Well, I think it's definitely something that's been big for me is meditation. I, I, I started meditating when my second son was born and, and it really, I mean, you know, I've been creating music and in this particular industry since I was 18 years old. So, you know, since quite a young mind, I have been 
Mm-hmm. Trying to find my way through and make sure that I've been who I really am and all those things. And so meditation, I think, really taught me how to connect with my own thoughts. Because how do you think your own thoughts? The media is over here telling you this, friends over here telling you that. You know, you you've, you've taken all these ideals and your, your parents leave you with all of this baggage, and everyone just you know they base everyone just basically dumps all their truths on you. <laughs> you don't even know if it's yours or not, or theirs or fake or what's happening, right? So, the meditation definitely zooms me into my own thoughts. What kind of meditation do you do? I actually do a meditation called Kundalini. It's a lot of mantra and and so it's kind of song, you know. Mm words and then it's also what they call kriyas which is kind of like these different positions with your fingers that you'll kind of repeat while you say whatever you so there's something about the movement and the words and maybe a little melody that I I really like and it just kind of gets in and you feel really good so there's there's different versions of it obviously but that's what I like about it but even just sitting quietly and breathing that's why recently I did a meditation on the divine feminine with Deepak Chopra And just like, even just that, like thinking about these different thoughts and just quietly reflecting is is so powerful too. I think silence is very, very, very powerful. That's one tool. That's one tool. And then another tool that I've, that I would say is my best tool is, is that gut check, you know, is, is, it's like, basically I speak about it in the book and it's, and it's something that Oprah shared with me. And she said that, you know, what a resounding yes feels like. And I was like, oh, yeah, I do kind of know what a resounding yes feels like. <laughs> when it's like emphatically yes, and there's not a doubt in your mind, then it's yes. And when it's kind of like, um, oh, then it's no. And I really, and, and it's like kind of that simple. And it's, it's difficult to feel brave enough to mm. say no. Yeah. And to trust yourself enough to say no, because it's not resonating with you. That's the hard part. But you do know what what a yes feels like you do. And that helps me a lot because sometimes I do need that just that simple check in. Yes. It's funny. I feel like in a way, quarantine really helped me with that practice because I'm a pleaser in general. And I always I don't ever want to disappoint anybody and I want to show up for everybody. And it was so amazing not like not to have to say no and just get to be with myself and my people. And so I think that hopefully fortified me a little bit more in terms of how I'll look at going back into the world and, and waiting for that resounding. Yes. But I still feel tripped up by it. You know, I still feel like obligation trumps a lot of that for me. And where do you think that comes from? Do you know, can you reflect like even just in your, upbringing or something was someone in your life very very much like that or can you kind of pinpoint where that comes from I think that there were I was definitely raised with the idea of like of being perfect yeah you know being you know being helpful being pleasing being all of those things and you know what's so funny about that because it was a strong message I got and I was so rebellious against it But then when I got into my twenties, I fully accepted that kind of like perfectionism, you know, I want to do the right thing by everybody else and disappoint. What does Glennon Doyle say? Like you have to disappoint everybody else in the world to avoid disappointing yourself. Mm. 
And I just didn't do that. You know, I, 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 I know. And I think it's pretty classic for, especially for women. I can only speak from a woman's perspective, potentially this many, many men feel the same way. And I always, I'm always interested in asking them because Mm -hmm. I kind of want to know, you know, I'm raising sons. So I often think about like, what, you know, how does, how does all this stuff land on young men and on boys? Um, But I do think that as a woman, I do think that's a classic way for us to feel because, because women, we have been painted and encouraged to be very much in our servitude and yeah. very much as the ones that will, and, and we are providers and we are completely nurturers and we are naturally as those, those things as well. So it's, it's natural for us to do that. But I think we've also, it's obviously imbalanced and it kind of has always been painted like the woman's going to serve and the woman's going to cook and the woman's going to clean and the woman's going to, you know, make sure everyone's okay. And the woman's going to do all the do's and that's kind of what we see. And then the man's going to be able to receive all of those things. And, and, you know, the children receive all the things. And, and, and so there's a little bit of, and it's kind of an unrealistic place we get ourselves into where we feel like, you know, we have to live up to that ideal when I think there needs to be a little bit more sharing between everybody you know, and, and I guess in some ways, if we don't create that expectation in our Mm -hmm. lives and in our families and things like that, then we will probably find ourselves being the one that's doing everything. Mm -hmm. So it's so, it's so interesting back to what you said about the uh, pandemic and boundaries. I think that's what kind of came up the most is like, what type of boundaries do we want to have for ourselves, for our families, for our work, for our special space? is for everything and it's kind of a great question did you reassess you know how you want to did it was it illuminating for you in any way in terms of how what you want to change going forward or yeah I think it was illuminating for me first I'm like wait do I ever have to travel anywhere ever again never maybe I never have to travel anywhere ever again (laughs) Okay, so that's a little bit extreme. Obviously, I'm, I'm actually looking forward to, to traveling. I'm looking forward to touring. We just announced my tour in 2022. So I'm, I'm coming. Yes, it's going to be so good. So of course, I'm looking forward to these things. But I do think that that it gave me an understanding that, and, and probably all of us an understanding that so much can be done mm-hmm. without running at the speed of light. Like, we were all so you, I definitely know that I was getting into a habit of moving and running just because I was used to moving and running. Yeah. And so I think the, the stillness did, did get a chance to show me that, oh, you know, there's, there's still movement and stillness and there's still so much way, so many ways that we're progressing and moving forward and doing things. And, and in fact, I think I've gotten more efficient and better mm-hmm better at it but I did I did assess that I do need to make sure that I'm creating space for myself for sure because I'm also a lot like you are that probably many of us are that like really making carving out that time and that space for whatever it is silence whatever ritual it is for meditation for playing piano for creating for Mm -hmm. dreaming for sleeping how about sleeping guys like sleeping's a big one. It showed me and reminded me that I really want that for myself. And I don't want to let go of that as things start to. Right. 
it's, it's almost like a reverence for your body, your mind, your spirit, and like protecting the sanctity of that. And it, and it's real. And as you say, like, we're not conditioned to do that as women, we're conditioned to just go and burn ourselves out. And this was a thing that I found so beautiful too. When I was researching your, your line of offerings, he's, he's soul care that there's this kind of reverence for the body. And I read that you talked about, you know, the body is this vessel that we take for granted and we don't really drop in and kind of take that time. And so how did, and of course, it's so perfect that you would create a business out of this because like, you're such an embodied person. And so how did, how did it come about? Will you tell me about the business? It's so cool. Oh, thank you for asking. I love it so much. It, it is exactly about that. And it is called Key Soul Care. And, you know, I knew that I wanted to create something specifically, I struggled a lot with my own personal challenges with skin. And, you know, I, I really had a difficult time with my skin ever since. What? You have like the perfect skin. Is it the pro- Is it the offerings? I mean, now it's definitely really, really good. And it's and crazy. It really is, you know, the, these offerings do help to create that. But the prior to that, I just, I had so much trouble and it was like years and years and years. I was 30, 31, 32. I was breaking out, breaking out, breaking out. I'm like, what is going on? I thought you're supposed to be 18 and 19 and this is done. It's like, it was never ending, but that led me to realize that there was a lot of stresses. There was a lot of toxicity. There was a lot of energies in my life, a lot of relationships that were, you know, just causing me a lot of stress and I, I and because I because I tend to internalize and because I, I I always know how to kind of present well on the outside but on the inside I might be like ah it just it, it shows it always shows and so I, I had a dream that I would be able to create something that would help me yeah. hopefully help other people who feel like me and 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 so that was kind of a dream that I didn't really understand how it would manifest. And as, as we started to talk more about it, and as I started to recognize that I was finding solution to, to find a way to better skin that did allow me to just not have to cover up as much and all these things, I realized that we talk a lot about, a, a lot about skin care and hair care and air care and nail care and hair care and all the cares. <laughs> we don't talk about soul care. And Right. When it resonated, it was like, oh my gosh, this is crazy because that's what I'm learning is why I'm able to feel better while I'm able to physically look better is because I've learned how to really take care of me better. And so this idea of creating rituals for ourselves and just in little ways, not it doesn't have to take a thousand years and be a trillion dollars. It could literally just be you know, this, these five minutes that we have before bed, and I'm going to, you know, that's why I put the mantras on the bottles, you know, it'll say I'm free as the air, or it'll say I am layered, complex, and divine. That's what the exfoliator says. And it's just these thoughts that you're able to put into your head as you're doing what you normally do that allow you to feel a little bit closer to yourself, a little pay attention to yourself, you know, be right here in this moment. And so, you know, 
now we are just now launching the body care part of soul care, which I love because I think we have such complex relationship mm -hmm. with our bodies. You know, we feel all kinds of ways, so much judgment, you know, so much that we hold and, and how beautiful is it to, you know, as we're washing, which is a daily routine, but take, turn a daily routine into a ritual. So as you're washing, or we have this beautiful offering called the sacred body oil, which I love putting on right after the shower. Mm. With it, it says every everything I do is an act of creation. And man, I mean, just these little things, which are big things, and being able to think about them as you're going through your daily routines, turning them into rituals, and thinking about yourself, it really... So you're, to what we said earlier, I want to take away that stigma that when you think about yourself, somehow you're selfish and you're, you should feel guilty. You should not. You should make sure that you're fulfilled so that you can go out in the world and, and, and continue to, you know, fulfill others. You know, you can't fill anybody if you're empty. So that's definitely the vibe of, of key soul care. And I, I love it. And I love the idea of sort of having that inspiration you know, that's tactile and something that, you know, has, has a scent and, and a texture and that you can get inspired about yourself from that, you know, while you're also getting inspired from other external things or feelings or relationships or whatever. That's exactly it. I love it. You get me. You get it. <laughs> Do you listen to other people's music? Yes. A lot. All the time. Yeah, I mean, especially with my husband. My husband is literally the party. Like, he is the party. If he's in the house, there's a party. If no one's here, it's still a party. He's amazing like that. I love that about him. It's so funny because when he wakes up, like, the house just starts blaring and blasting with music. And me, I'm all, like, extra quiet. I'm just trying <laughs> You're to meditating. <laughs> and he's having a rager downstairs. <laughs> it's literally like that. But because of that, we also share a lot of music so we listen to a ton of a ton of everything we're listening to classic music we're listening to classical music we're listening to reggae we're listening we're listening to you know african music we're listening to a lot of samba and and and, and spanish incredible music we're listening to so many different styles of music are floating through the house and i love it so much you know what there's an app that i just found out about recently that you would love and you should it, maybe you guys already know it, but it's called radio with five O's. You know what? That Do you is, know this? I had it for a second and then I didn't listen to it anymore. But when I did listen to it, it was amazing. It's so cool. You can like press on the map, you know, Morocco and choose your decade, 1940s. And you can hear all, it's such good dinner party. All right. I'm doing that. I'm going to do, I'm going to go back to it. Is it like a little bird or something? I don't think it's a bird. But it's it's pretty cool. <laughs> Maybe they changed it. Might have used to have been a bird. Maybe rebranded. And have you ever seen that those guys on YouTube? Those two, I think they're brothers. They're teenagers, and they listen to music for the first time, and they record themselves. So good. They listen to Fallen, and they had me crying. <laughs> oh, good. It was amazing. So if you could give yourself the immense pleasure of hearing some of your favorite songs for the first time now what what would a couple of them be my favorite songs ever it would definitely be no ordinary love Sade for mm. sure. 
and I was going crazy if I heard it for the first time. It would definitely be Adore by Prince for mm -hmm. sure. The first time, even I just even remember the first time I heard it now, and and I and when I listen to it, I still feel like that. I feel like, <laughs> wow. So that's for sure. And and I would also let's see if there's a third one. Feeling good, Nina Simone. Mm, good one. Yeah, that's a really good one. Those are good. How about you? How about you? Oh God. Aha! I'll tell you my, the my, the three Alicia Keys songs that I would like to hear right now for the first yeah, time I ever. I like this. I like this. Definitely three hour drive because it's it's my new favorite and I list I have it like on repeat when I walk and I'm really obsessed. I love, I love Fallen because and then my favorite, favorite favorite Alicia Keys song, which is the quint the quintessentially most profound breakup song of all time. Oh my gosh. Tell me. Try sleeping with a broken heart. Oh, it's so good. I love that song. Oh my God. Best song. It's, it's like one of my top five songs of my life. That wow. song. Oh my gosh. That's so that's. And that's you know, what's so incredible about that song? one of the millions of things is that you, you sing it softly. And so there's like this surrender to the pain and like, you only sort of sing with your full voice, like in the back. So there's this juxtaposition of like relenting to this pain and the softness. And then like, but in the back there's, you know, this backbone. Oh, it's so good. Wow. Thank you. I love that song. That's my favorite. That's definitely one of my favorites too. You, you, okay. High five. Mm. Mm. I'm oh. like, I, I, I never want to have another breakup again because the song that's that we got the one song and we got other ones. <laughs> <laughs> we got other ones. I'm going to let you go in a second, but one thing that I really do want to know is because you guys have such a great relationship you and Swiss and I'm on my second marriage which is such a blessing like I can't even tell you how lucky I am to have found this man and get a second chance at it and we love we love Chris yes of oh. course of course that's the it beautiful just, thing you get it just gets bigger right the circle yes. gets bigger yes but ideally, like I would have liked to stay, you know, you want to be, it's like the thing of like, oh, you're married to the father of your kids or the mother of your kids forever. And that's sort of the fairy tale. So how do you guys have a second marriage in your first marriage? <laughs> that's what it looks like. <laughs> we have a second marriage in our first marriage. Yes. That's so amazing. You know, I love, I love that so much. <laughs> I think it brings us to what, what potentially is like kind of a theme of our conversation, which is, you know, we, we, there's all these stories that are told to us, you know, look from the second we're born and, and, and we have like the, this princess person here with the king and the queen and the mother and the father here and, or, or this person here and the 
mother and the father and the doggy and the fence and they have the sweet wonderful life and you know we're literally shown so many times from the very beginning that this this is the family dynamic and and we then spend the rest of our lives chasing you know this story it really is not the only way that families look and i i was raised by my mother she was a single mother actually you know she never really found a, another person who would compliment her in that way and 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 that's my whole world that's my whole universe and i know for a fact that being raised by her made me really good Mm -hmm. really good and I and I often think that if it went another way I wonder what would how would I have been or what I'd have mm -hmm. had to overcome and things like that so my point is is that I think it's one of the things I love about us and our generation and where we are is that we are really able to open this new idea about what family looks like and also about evolution and moving forward and, and finding the way through to our happiness and our joy and the, the happiness and joys of our families. And to your point, it can keep getting bigger and more beautiful and more of a village of people that we can love together. And I think it's really powerful. It's really powerful and it's really important to see that there's nothing to be ashamed of or feel badly about as you grow, as things evolve, and as your family grows and evolves. And I think that that's, I, I love how we're just challenging the storybook and saying, here's the new story. All of us, you, me, so many families are saying, here's the new story. Here's the new family. Here's what the modern family looks like. And we're all flourishing and we're all doing great. You know what I mean? And it's, really cool so I'm so grateful for my relationship with my love Swiss it's like who who knew who would have ever known it's just like what the hell a lot of times we look at each other and we just celebrated our 10-year anniversary last year we're going on like 11 this year we're literally like what <laughs> and what are you doing in my bed because I remember, <laughs> I remember like there was a time in my life where I could not Stand him. I thought he was the most annoying. <laughs> like there was nothing in this planet that would make me feel like there was going to ever be a time where this beautiful life is what we would share together. And so let that be a lesson to all of us for judging books by the covers and for thinking we know what's supposed to happen to us. Mm -hmm. you know, all we need to do is continue to you know, walk forward in the best way we know how and give the best that we can and be good to ourselves mm -hmm. in the process and make sure we make sure that the people we love, they have to treat us good too. And, mm -hmm. and, and then just allow everything to unfold and man, you won't even know where it's going to take you. And I think that's what you're saying. And mm -hmm. that's how I feel too. That's so beautiful. Thanks for listening to my conversation with Alicia Keys. She always inspires me, but this time I especially enjoyed hearing about her approach to incorporating rituals and moments of stillness into our everyday routines. Thanks for tuning in. This has been a presentation of Cadence 13 Studios. I hope you'll listen, follow, rate, and review all of our episodes, which are available for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, or wherever you get your podcasts.